0: Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris S. along with my co-host Chris W. This podcast is dedicated to providing lighthearted, concise analysis on everything concerning West Ham. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Welcome. So after the, the season concluded with a 1-1 draw against Aston Villa... This week, we're going to give our recap of that game, also talk about our uh, Hammer of the Year, then uh, go on to talk about the Moyes versus Pellegrini era for this season, and give a positional and individual recap for all of the players that played for us this season. Chris, we had a 1-1 draw against Aston Villa. Kind of up and down performance, but you know the pressure was off us today.
0: Yeah, I saw a lot of subs, which was good. Um, I saw Anderson and Linton Zini both featured. I thought Ben Johnson was massive there. I think we had to play him, uh, which is part of the reason he played. I don't know if we we had Fredericks and Creswell if we would have played him, but uh, I thought Fred uh, sorry Ben Johnson did an incredible job um, I'm glad we had a lot of players feature for us and I, I did see a little bit more relaxed play from the team uh, we didn't have that chemistry and everything uh, the attacking wise we had a few good chances but overall it was kind of an, a so-so game but I also think that because we we're trying people in different positions and kind of giving a allowing them to feature uh, that that had an effect and I'm, I'm not really upset with it we got the draw in the end so
1: we yeah we were not as sharp as we had been over the over the recent run of games we we came out with a very similar lineup obviously Ben Johnson playing on the left instead of the right and Fredericks coming back to feature there wasn't any pressure on us this game wasn't really much to, to, to gain or lose from from the result we we kind of had in the second half tried a lot more players through subs but like you said Ben Johnson he had a fantastic game playing. What you'd consider maybe out of position at the left back. He's played there before, so he's, he's a fullback by trade, so he's not too far out of position, but, but not on his favorite side. He was really good, both defensively and offensively. I think in the, each game he's featured, uh, he's improved in noticeable ways.
0: Yeah, he's, he's had huge improvements each game. And last game, he was decent defensively, had you know, offensively, uh, maybe had some in and out times, but this time, he was solid every single time he touched the ball. And I really appreciate that. There was one time actually where uh, he lost the ball, but then he did what Bowen, which I love about Bowen, where he went back and he actually fought for the ball. Whereas if maybe a Hilaire or definitely Anderson, if they lose the ball, they're not going to go fight like, like a Bowen's going to go fight. And when you see that fight from a player like, uh, like Bowen and and Johnson, I think that kind of puts you on another level and separates you. And I really like that about him today.
1: Yeah, he he was really one thing that stood out to me is is he, he fought, but he also had kind of a different size to him than than our other fullbacks. There were several times where he held off the opponent player but just by strength that that a Cresswell or a Fredericks can't do. That they you know they just get pushed over if they did. And they, it might be a foul if they got pushed over. But but Johnson was actually physically strong enough to hold off uh, men, and he's only he's only I believe twenty one. He's not, he's not a uh, – he he's might not even be done growing. I'm not sure. But he's, he's shown a, a level of maturity well beyond his years. And, and you know, the first game he played, I thought he played decently defensively but really didn't have the chemistry going with his team. The second game I thought, man, he really played as part of a back unit. And he made a couple of good passes that second game. And his third start, I thought not only was he as locked in defensively as he was in the first two games, maybe even better, but his his forward runs were, were a lot better, even playing on the left side. I, I, he was a willing runner, sending in some good crosses that that really should have should have had more action on him.
0: So, Chris, let me ask you this. What did you think of his play compared to Fredericks? And, and what did you think of Fredericks overall today?
1: I think he played better than Fredericks. I will – and I, I think right now they're pretty close to, together right now, in my opinion. I think it's going to be if we don't bring in another right back, which we don't know at this point if we will. There, there have been rumors that we will. Uh, who starts for me game one would definitely go down to just how they perform in the, off, in the off season. He played better today, but I will qualify it with this. Fredericks was up against Villa's best player in Grealish all night, whereas not saying Trezeguet is not a great, a good player for Villa, but, but he's not, you know, Grealish is Villa's captain. He's the one that all the big clubs are looking at to to poach this summer. So that you got to discount that a little bit. That might've been one of the reasons why Frederick's didn't play well. And I thought for the most part, Frederick's kept a decent job. There was, there was definitely some jostling going on, but no, I I do. I will concede that, that Johnson absolutely played better this game than Frederick's.
0: Yeah, no, I think so. Uh, I, do you know why Crestwell wasn't in the game? Because I honestly don't.
1: I I actually, I don't know. He might have picked up a knock. I, I can't recall if he picked up a knock. I know, according to ex employee, Masuaku was actually slated to start, but a late injury kind of derailed that. So, so that's kind of why Johnson was was moved over to that left back, which I actually was was glad to see that that he still got the feature.
0: Yeah, um, I, I thought he did well. And I was uh, in more I was really, really impressed with him. I saw a bunch of stuff on social media afterwards about oh he's the man of the match and everything. And I, I would give him the classification of uh, at least most improved player by far. Uh, you look at some play, okay, maybe I just you know, um thinking off the top of my head like Lanzini, okay, last game maybe didn't play great. This game, okay, he played okay again. But Ben Johnson, like last game played well, this game played fantastic you know what i mean so it's just a
1: massive massive improvement and i I really like to see that um uh, so go ahead i I agree with you i think he deserves a man of the match I, i i honestly want to talk about one thing that might have benefited him playing on the left side today he played on the offensive end more instinctually than than he did the last few games i really think playing on his weaker foot I don't. I don't think he needs to be there long term. But one one of the things I think it did for him is 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 he didn't really have to think too hard about his crosses. He just hit a good, relatively lofted cross every time because because he, he was going off his weak foot. He did. He couldn't. He didn't have to think about it. Be too fancy about it. He he's running on a, on the opposite side of the field than he's used to, and it really almost it simplified the game for him. And I hope he he realizes that. Yeah, he's playing at the next level up, but you really just need to play the way you know how to play. Don't don't try anything too fancy. Just you're a fullback, defend well, make make willing runs forward, send balls into the box. That's that's all you're asked to do, and and he did a great job of it. Yeah, he did. And another player that I w- want
0: to mention because I've given him a lot of uh, uh, I guess the slate over the past few weeks is Diop. I thought he actually played fairly well today. Uh, I, I saw some improvement there, and. Hey, if he continues on that trend, then let's play him. but uh, I think the past few games he does not deserve to start and this game, I thought he did pretty well.
1: He definitely had a uh, improvement this game and even last game he he wasn't he was pretty good. so it's one of those he's he's the weaker of our two center backs at the moment, but also we've seen so little from Bob Buena. is he even? It's tough to compare someone that hasn't played to to a player that like Diop has been playing a lot, but but sometimes not a, not as well. But he, he did play well. He had one beautiful ball through to Antonio that, oh, that Antonio maybe should have put so away. good, which I I really hadn't seen that from Diop before. I'm not I don't think of a pinpoint passer when I think of Diop, but that was a beautiful ball. Oh, that really was
0: yeah. And uh, again, I, we saw I think pretty solid play from Agbana. Um, I, Rice, again, same thing, and Suchek was doing pretty well, got into some headers. What did you think of our attacking midfield? Uh, and, you know, we had the Anderson, we had Melanzini um, sub in for that, and Yarmolenko as well, but uh, give me your analysis there.
1: Well, the, yeah, the first half, we kind of came out with the same lineup, and we, we didn't generate too many chances. I, I think this was probably Antonio's worst game since the restart. Maybe a little tired, maybe just a little – no not concentrating but it just wasn't wasn't quite clicking for him and then as far as the, the midfield bowen bowen played well in the first half i i think it was right for him to get subbed off at halftime especially with the little nick he picked up on uh the, the last game kind of getting jostled around that and then Fournell's Fournell's played just an average game He he didn't play bad didn't play great i nothing really stood out to me um Good or bad for him. I thought he, he still had one thing I really regretted is that he had way more defensive responsibilities than I want him to have again. There were times where we almost played a five back with Four Nows as the far the far sided left back, which just I don't understand why Moyes deploys someone like that in that position. It's it's not yeah. playing his strength and it's not necessarily helping the team.
0: No, I think so. I think Fournals needs to be the center attacking mid, and that's when we see him come into form. When almost every game he's played on the left side, I would argue he either hasn't done well or has just done okay. And in the Premier League, you don't want a player that's just doing okay, right? You want a player that's exceeding and, and excelling every single game, like Rice or like a Suchuk, like a Bowen. So for now's to me on the left, isn't doing well, but I think Moyes needs to recognize that he does usually do well in the center. Um, one player that, that actually was this our center attacking mid today was Noble. And I saw an impact from Noble today. Uh, I, I think he did well. I think he actually did, like I mentioned, make an impact in the team, whereas in other times uh, another player could have been there
1: and you know you
0: wouldn't have missed Noble.
1: This was probably one of his most impressive games for me. He, he wasn't as he, – he passed the ball well. His legs looked much more fresh than they had in the last few games, which I don't know how – after as much as we play him why why this game he seemed to be fresher but i was I was happy for it he was all around the pitch making good passes didn't have like didn't have any you know passes in some of the past games maybe he didn't play as well but then he he'd have one or two just fantastic passes This was more a – he was just a steady Eddie the entire time, making good, making sure the ball kept moving, was in the right places to relieve pressure on the offense. And, and yeah, he played a great game.
0: Yeah, and when uh, Antonio – Antonio was subbed off, and then also I want to mention when when Anderson – came on the pitch so Antonio subbed off uh, Hilaire came in I think Hilaire did okay um I I would have liked to see a little bit more of him in but I did see him winning some aerial balls thought he did fine
1: um Anderson though I will say he he did miss one chance that he probably should have got a better but he had great hold up play good really good link up play uh 14 passes 85 percent pass accuracy and won some aerial balls but it's he for getting the full half, he really I thought should have done a little better, mostly with the, the one good cross that he got, that he should have put a little more on target than he did. Yeah,
0: definitely, and uh, just not to backtrack too much, but Antonio should have absolutely had that goal from when Diop passed it. That was that was a great goal. That was really inexcusable from Antonio, um, and I think I, I was pretty happy with Moises' sub, even if you know maybe we're not facing relegation right now, but. Uh, but subbing Antonio off as early as he did because he was starting, he was on a yellow card. He started to make some stupid fouls, missed that shot. Um, I don't know. I, I think it was the right sub, and I'm happy to give Hilaire a little bit more time. Well, yeah, I thought I thought like,
1: it was struck struck a nice balance between going for the win by by playing a largely unchanged side, but then also re- realizing in the second half I, that he could sub players on early get get some good. Good run for players that that hadn't featured, but but maybe needed to gain some confidence in, in Yarmolenko and Hilaire and Lanzini. I thought Lanzini did a good job.
0: I thought Lanzini did. I was not impressed at all with Anderson. Oh,
1: Anderson, no. Anderson. looked like he
0: did not want to be there. He looked like he didn't want to play. Uh, I yeah, uh, he's an absolute he's,
1: passenger on the pitch. He did absolutely nothing. He wouldn't chase down any defensive assignments. He really he disinterested is, is the most polite way I could put it.
0: Yeah, it is. And when you look at Bowen and the Yarmolenko sub, right? So Bowen is a workhorse runs up and down the pitch all the time. Yarmolenko is more technical. He doesn't really have that same energy and everything, but, but Yarmolenko contributes in a different way. So now going back to the other side of the field with the, with Anderson, I, he doesn't, no matter if he's running or if he's got that great technical ability, he's not contributing in any sort of way. You know, where, we're, like you said, Lanzini, hey, he had some really good link-up play today. I, I saw some really good passes from him. Um, every, pretty much every sub, even hilarious, like, hey, hold up play. It, like, I can attribute one good thing, uh, one good characteristic to each player, except for Anderson.
1: Yeah, and that's, he only had a few minutes, but it was, yeah, you might not be able to judge him technically in a few minutes, but you could at least see if he's trying something, which right. he, he just wasn't. Right. It, it was, this kind of cemented my thoughts of him and you 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 responded to my point last week when I said he was one of the players I'd, I'd want to see feature for a large portion of the game and and you said well would one game make any difference and you know you were right it, it really didn't he he didn't feature much but uh, yeah it wouldn't have mattered he I'm ready to move on from him. he was not he doesn't look like he wants to be here anymore. And it may, maybe that seemed like a shift that kind of happened from Pellegrini to Moyes where he was willing to have these good performances for Pellegrini at times. He was still inconsistent then, but ever since Moyes has come on, he doesn't even look like he wants to give it a go.
0: Now, and we're going to have a separate episode on uh, the transfer window and who we need to, to trade and everything. Uh, there's been rumors of a zero zero budget. We'll cover that as well. But um, for right now, just to kind of sum up the game, I thought we played okay. Wasn't the greatest, but I am glad we saw a lot of, of players feature. I was not expecting a, uh, you know, four zero performance out of West Ham because I wanted to see a few more players feature. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly what we got. Any closing thoughts there, Chris? And uh, then I want to talk about the relegation.
1: Yeah, I, I there's not too much closing thoughts. I really thought we we just weren't clinical with our chances. That, that, that's what it came down to. We we didn't get enough. We got some shots, didn't get enough on target, and especially the the Holaire header and the the Antonio when he was through through from that that long ball really should have should have been two goals to the good.
0: Yeah, absolutely should have been. And speaking of when Antonio missed that shot and when Grealish scored and then when Yarmolenko scored, throughout the whole game, it, and it wasn't just our game, but throughout the whole game, the relegation zone was changing. It was going in and out. Uh, who, What teams were down? What teams were up? Bournemouth, they actually came out with the win, did everything they could, ended up getting relegated. Wadford went three down, uh, three to zero down on Arsenal and then came back with two goals. And people were even, you know, Villa at the end was, was waiting after the, our game had concluded to see if Wadford would score in the final minutes. I mean, it, I'm th- so thankful that we did not have anything riding on this game because that would have been a very, very stressful thing. And actually, the commentator even mentioned uh, West Ham when we're controlling and moving the ball in the attacking third, just moving it around, you know, back and forth, back and forth, not really pushing too much, but just crossing and switching the field and all this stuff. It's putting pressure on Villa because Villa knows if they let up on their defense for one second, that could be it. They could be relegated. So anyways, I thought that was an interesting thing, but, um, but really what I wanted to get to here is, is the Villa, Relegate. Villa did not get relegated as a result of first of all tying with us, but also out of a VAR decision. What comments do you have on that?
1: Yeah. So I'm the. So we're we're referencing the Sheffield United versus Villa game uh, several weeks ago, in which Sheffield's supposedly scored a goal. I mean, the ball was over the line. The Villa keeper caught it inside the goal, uh, but because of the goal, a goal and technology failure. They weren't awarded the goal, and, and it went on to be a 0-0 zero, zero draw. So that the goal there would have certainly seen Villa lose that game, lose a point, and based on where the table ended up, actually would have seen them relegated and Bournemouth stay up. So there's a lot of talk. Obviously, at this point, we're recording the night of the, the, the final game of the season. We're assuming Villa is staying up and others going down, but there has been talk of maybe legal challenges – uh, from Bournemouth about this game I, I i honestly think it's too late i felt like the premier league and any every team affected should have should have the day of of the when the when the sheffield united villa game happened it should have been resolved there we can't go back weeks later now and try and litigate some sort of of change
0: yeah, that's true, but as Bournemouth, darn if I'd be trying, you know.
1: Oh, I no, I would if I was Bournemouth, then, I'd be trying. What I'm saying is it, honestly right now the Premier League messed it up by not definitively addressing and clearing out any chance of of changes. They should have addressed the situation then and made it clear in no uncertain terms what was going to happen and, you know, they they stood behind their decision, but they they in my opinion didn't put the matter to bed.
0: Yeah, and I honestly do feel bad for the Bournemouth fans because that's an awful way to go down. And and hey, as West Ham fans, we know how that feels because we've given up in the Premier League. We've given up the most points based off VAR decisions. Um, it, it's a it's a hard and horrible feeling because I think VAR needs you know massive changes. We've talked about it in the past, but they've got to clarify the terms. They've got to. I know it's the first year of implementation. It's gonna take time, but it really affected a lot uh, well, it, it affected too much this season.
1: it yes, it's gonna take a little time, but there's a little bit that that's inexcusable in this in the sense that these other top top leagues have had VAR in place for years and don't have near the problems that the Premier League has this year. so the the Premier League has been able to see in extremely similar situations, how they should and can be used in an effective way where the fans don't get so angry about it yet. They don't, they, they didn't, they didn't perform in that way. They, they weren't clear on the rules. They were very inconsistent in the interpretation and application. And yes, it's the first year that they've used it. There are going to be hiccups, but a lot of the hiccups were preventable because they, they had a template. Other leagues have done this before.
0: Yeah, that's true. And uh, one question I want to ask before we move on here is and maybe you don't know the answer. I don't know. But why do you know why VAR couldn't overrule that? Because I feel like the whole reason VAR is in is to overrule that goal line technology decision. It, you could look at pictures that are circling right now very widely from Bournemouth, but really all of the Premier League on that. Uh, you could literally see the picture of the ball behind the the goal line. And how VAR can't intervene there is beyond me. Do you have any uh, insight to that?
1: I, I'm not certainly clear on it. I, I don't. I don't know for certain. I believe it was something to do with the way play continued, and then play continued, and then some other event happened afterwards. And it's not really. Uh, it's. It's not something VAR can go back and retroactively change based on the rules because it's never happened before. There's never been a failure of goal line technology in, I don't know, I think it's since over 10 years that they've had this technology that there's never been any sort of failure on this scale, which, you know, we might never see another failure on this scale again, but hopefully if if we do, the, the VAR rules are tighter to where, to where something like This this is the, the quintessential thing that you would want VAR to be able to, to overrule, right? and yet based right. on the, the strange rules and interpretation it wasn't allowed. So that yeah. wraps up our, our view of, of the Villa game and, and kind of the relegation picture as it stands. Next segment, we're going to talk about our, our, our own selections for Hammer of the Year, as well as give a kind of a season recap and, and look at the difference between the Pellegrini era of the season and, and the Moyes t- tenure.
0: Welcome back to Greetings in West Ham. Up next, we've got our discussion on Hammer of the Year. Chris, I'm going to throw it to you in a second, but for me, I've got to say my Hammer of the Year is Declan Rice. I, I know we're going to talk about a few candidates. I think it's clear for Declan. Do, do you think it's clear for Declan, or do you have someone else in mind?
1: I, I, I don't think it's it's clear for Declan. I think there's three candidates that you can make. Each of them you can make a really good argument for. For me, it's gonna be Antonio, and I'll give you why. But I and the, the three candidates I think are Ogbana, Rice, and Antonio. I honestly, for anyone that says any of those three players, I don't have a good enough argument to say you're you're definitively wrong. I think there's there's credit to each of them. They all have played great this season. There's different arguments for each. It's really just what how you weight rate your criteria of who you're gonna decide. So Tell us why you think Rice.
0: Yeah, so Rice, look, he played every single minute of every game, 38 games. plus. I mean, it, it was incredible. There were only, at, off the top of my head, 10 players in the Premier League that did that. Uh, he, in my opinion, is our best player week in and week out. He's consistent, and consistency is part of the reason that I have him over Antonio. Uh, Antonio, to me, goes in and out, but Declan is great every single week. Uh, even today, I, I thought he had a, a decent game. It, you know, I, I can't. I really don't see any uh, major faults with him there. Um, another thing, he's young, which he was runner-up, I believe, last year, and I think he deserves it this year. Especially if we want to keep him, it helps a little bit to give him hammer of the year. Um, he's worked really, really hard. He's also our our captain when Mark Noble goes off the field, and I, I classify him, I guess, as the vice captain there. Uh, I see leadership from him. I see leading by example from him. I mean, he's the whole package.
1: That's cert- that's certainly a compelling argument. And my argument for Antonio: three words for you—goals, yeah. goals, goals. <laughs> no, no, I think everything you said about Rice is Rice is spot on. He's played every minute for us. One of only I don't know six or seven players in the Premier League that have done that. He's not only does he play every minute, but he's fantastic he's our most consistent player by far never turns in a bad shift tries his hardest you know propels the team uh to the next level in my opinion of you know any any future success we want to have is really going to be on the back of Declan Rice and what we can do to build around him. however and, and now, this, this is a season-long award, so I don't want to discount what Rice has done the whole season. But when it came down to it, when we were in the scrap of relegation, Antonio's goals for me were invaluable. They That is what kept us up, in my opinion, that he came in at a, at a point where we were staring down, I don't want to say certain relegation, but we looked right in the thick of it and he pulled us out over the course of about five games, just standout performance after standout performance, single-handedly running our offense for multiple games, which we won, and just he is the biggest reason right now that I can point to that why we're staying up. Although I will say this, it's a little bit of recency bias.
0: Yeah, it it is a little bit of recency bias. I understand what you're saying there, but – but I must say if you put Hilaire in each of those situations for Antonio, I I see him scoring some, sure, but I don't see him scoring every single one that Antonio did. He just and, hit fire
1: when he hit fire in a way I haven't seen a West Ham pl- player hit yeah. fire. In, no, in it was long. incredible.
0: And and he was outscor- he wasn't just outscoring people on West Ham. He was outscoring the Premier League. He was the he's the number one and I don't know if that changed today, but he was going into today, the number one goal scorer in the Premier League since the restart. I, I mean that's that's a that's a stat to be proud of because there's some there's world class players in the Premier League, uh, so I see that I also see the work rate because just like Declan Rice, Antonio will run until he can't run anymore even when he came back from injury and you know, you and I were kind of looking at the TV saying, Whoa, like slow down there. Cause you're going to hurt your hamstring again. And he's just running and running and running and he's physical. He draws great fouls. He, and, and another thing I like about him is he doesn't flop. We saw some flops from Villa today. Antonio does For not reasons. flop.
1: Yeah.
0: When, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but when he gets fouled, you know, it was an egregious foul because the, the dude fights and, and, he stays up, and I, I love that about that player about him. Um, my biggest problem with him, honestly, is that consistency. Though he was hurt for a large portion of the season, we really not a large, but a, a fair amount of the season, we we really missed him in some games um, where he could have made a difference. And then another thing too is that consistency where uh, in play. So today we saw an oh, he was okay today. He wasn't standout. Where Rice again, he was he was good um in today's performance but but Antonio like missed a goal he really really should have gotten today and that could have been the difference for us with the win and actually relegating Villa um there have been some other games earlier in the season where I think he's he had some chances you look you're not going to get every single chance you you know perfect chance you uh, come across but he does tend to kick the ball over the net sometimes now that's a sacrifice of power I guess but uh Anyways, yeah. I Now, just to kind of go into – do you have any uh, counterpoints there?
1: No, I definitely think – I this might sound contradictory. I believe Declan Rice was our best player over the course of the whole season. But I just think the contribution Antonio – the tangible contribution Antonio did was, was what really gave him my hammer of the year.
0: I tell you what too there's about 20 to 30 and in, even in some polls 50% of people that agree with you. So I mean it it really is a toss up. And the other player that uh, that we have to mention here is Ogbona. Ogbana was an absolute iron wall for the center for our defense. He held together the defense when the other three were not playing well. There were there were several games where we were suffering in our right back. Our left back was okay throughout the whole season. Our center back, Diop, went in and out of having great games and having poor games, but Ogbonna was consistent. Ogbonna took care of business, I would argue, every single game. There were a few games, maybe, but, but also you have to look at, you know, where we were, um, look at the team around him. I mean, he was solid whether the team was there to play or not.
1: Yeah, he was really a rock. He was the only – really the only consistent player – out of any of our defensive players and i i think if you would have looked at the games through the break so so right before the restart he would have been my hammer of the year I, he and he was he was similarly good in, in the last portion too i just thought other players stepped up uh he was again just he's no nonsense he sets the tone at that back line and and especially at the age of 32 just still can can track down rel- faster players and and fight for it and, and just is is a very calming presence i i don't think any any defensive lineup we have needs to include him
0: yeah, he's a leader back there, and that's where we would like to see, especially when you've got Diop, a little bit of a younger player. Yeah. Um, I, I like to see that. Another thing I like to see is the corners. When he goes up and you, you see him, just like Suchek, putting himself out there for those corners. He doesn't just go up straight and, oh, if it comes to me, great. No, he's in there fighting whether it, you know, it's, he's going to get hurt or not. He's going for every single ball, and I really, really like that.
1: And, and um, one other thing I want to mention is just I think we don't, players like him, we don't always recognize kind of the sacrifice and heart that they've given to the club. So players like Mark Noble, it's it's impossible to do, to discount what they've done. They've Mark Noble is a club legend. He, so he get, he gets recognition for that, and rightly so. But then how many players have we seen come into West Ham from big clubs or, or mid to big clubs and just treated it as a paycheck? just a stepping stone to the next place or a way to a way to collect a big wage i tell Ogbana you i can came name in about four he, right now The DJ. yeah right now and that's not including yeah. all the you know the the couple players we mentioned last week that had horrendous transfer sagas with us yeah. uh, but Albano came in from juventus who were rocking it in the in the italian league and still are he uh, no he obviously wasn't they're like a key player for them, but played played relatively for a little bit for them, and came to a club like West Ham, which you, you have to admit, from moving from Juventus to West Ham is is not a step up; it's a step down. Played had some, you know, I would imagine had several offers to move to to European or Champions League teams, but has really never barked about it. Not, not he's never, never even been. Uh, he's, he's been our first choice this year, but there've been times in the past where he's been kind of in and out of the lineup, you know, back when we had Winston Reed and James Tompkins, he maybe not didn't feature every, every week, but never complained about it always fought. And and really kind of, for me, he is what you would want to hope for. If, if a player comes from a, from a non-English league, from a non-English uh, country comes to West Ham and really puts in the effort even though maybe they might have had a better offer at some point along the way or been at a better team before they they still fight and I think he's just a great example something we don't often see in a West Ham shirt
0: yeah and let me mention this too it is really really tough for a defender to get recognition I think with a striker hey he scores a ton of goals and he's automatically on the world stage with a defender it's tough and and you you look at the, the consistency of Ogbonna, you look at, if he was not there, we would have been scored on so many more times. There were so many chances where he was the last defender. He had to make a tackle and he took care of business. Uh, players that make that that type of impact are, t- in my mind, I can think of Terry for England was great. Van Dyke for Liverpool. John Brooks for United States men's national team. Like Those types of players are players that if you don't have them in their defense, you're getting scored on more than... Um, you're getting scored on more when they don't play than when they do. They save and Ogbana, goals and Those are
1: just as critical as scoring goals. Yeah,
0: exactly. And Ogbana is that player for West Ham. If you didn't have a Cresswell there, uh, there's an argument, I guess. But if you didn't have a Diop, okay, maybe. But Ogbana is probably the only defender we could say 100. percent We're getting scored on way more than, uh, than if he did play.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great key, and I you know. Like I like I said at the beginning, really, I think all three of there's an argument for all three of those players, and uh, Rice Rice did win the official Hammer of the Year, and hopefully that, you know, I don't think that's enough to sway him one way or the other to stay. There's a lot of talk about him leaving, but glad glad he could finally be rewarded. You know, he he's runner up last year. I think like he deserves it. I I, I don't think any of these three players would be. Considered undeserving of that reward. Oh, and, and congratulations
0: to him. He's oh, congratulations,
1: Joe! Yeah, exactly, he's class person on and off the field, and and really just a d- delight to see play for my team. So, all right, well, this, next n- section next we're going to re- talk about our uh, kind of a difference between the the two two different uh, tenures we had this season. One, the first half of the season under Pellegrini and the second half under Moyes. Chris, what do you think?
0: Well, we had some really interesting, interesting times at West Ham this season. Uh, this is my first official season of being a fan. I've gotten caught up on the history a lot, as read as much as I could. But seeing it firsthand makes a difference. And uh, so we really had two uh, completely different styles of play, completely different managers, um, just in terms of how they handle the team, in terms of subs, and. So let's, let's just get right into it. So uh, we had our first season with uh, Pellegrini in charge, we ended 10th, right? We had him break two records in terms of uh, transfer caps and transfer m- and money going into transfers over summer, and that includes January as well. Uh, he signed Anderson with 30, at a 36 million pound contract, and Hilaire was a 45 million pound contract. Obviously, the star signing of the season coming into, uh, or of the summer coming into the season. Uh, with records. So under Pellegrini, we had 19 points, which ended, he had five wins, four ties, and 10 losses under Moyes. We had 20 points with five wins, five ties, and nine losses. Uh, now we'll get into more of that later, but, um, some other things about Pellegrini, his win ratio over the entire part of the club was 38.98%. So just around say 40% of all games played. I, some things that I didn't like specifically about him. I saw a lack of change when we were losing. Um, he played Roberto game in and game out when Fabianski was hurt. And we saw very early on that Roberto was not the keeper to, to carry us on. And uh, he kept playing him. I think that was a, a big tactical mistake. Another thing is the formation. He I never really saw a large change in formation. He went out there with the same formation, the same tactics, every single
1: time. Well, and even the same team. He never – did not really cycle players through – yeah, and, and that was that was really it. That his inability to change, to recover from losing, was really what did him in. Yeah, and one more last, uh, the last point I want to mention on
0: him too is the look at the players, right? So the players are a really good indication on what's happening on and off the field, right? So when Declan Rice scored his goal, I think it was three games ago. He ran straight to Moyes, gave him a massive hug, and they celebrated together. First of all, you never saw that in Pellegrini. But second of all, there were large, large-scale reports on the locker room being pretty discontent with Pellegrini, especially towards the end. As the games went on and he changed nothing, it, the discontentment grew. and the, They had no love for the manager. They didn't want to play for the manager. So, uh, Chris, I'll turn it over to you. What do you got for us?
1: So, I was very happy when Pellegrini was hired. he was it was a massive hire for the for the club and obviously that first season we we had some some really high high ups we we beat some really good teams finished 10th in the league had some very attractive football and then this season came and it started off really well we were we were riding high at first but we just kind of hit a point where we we fell off and a lot of that a lot of that had to do with the Fabianski injury but that it was the Fabianski injury compounded by kind of the weaknesses of Pellegrini's methods coming through. And then when I say those weaknesses, like you mentioned, the inability to change the Roberto, so many of the, so many of the players he brought on either stopped performing or just never performed. So Anderson, one of the better players for us last year has been a, a dud this year. Hilaire never really got off the ground. Roberto. Let's hope
0: it's the opposite. Let's hope that Hilaire had a dud this year and plays Andy. great next exactly.
1: year. <laughs> there's, now there's, still, there's still some, you know, not all of these players were, you know, abject failures for overall, but they didn't. There are significant weaknesses and, and it all kind of fell apart at once. Roberto, the, one we, the person we signed to, to replace Adrian, who's been a, who'd been a great consistent keeper for this club for a long time. And then Roberto, Roberto comes in and just horrible. Probably the worst professional goalkeeper I've seen just destroyed our team's confidence. Pellegrini would not change. I do think at the, re- at the time, it was the right thing to fire him. Now you can argue whether Moyes was the right replacement, but at the time, Pellegrini needed to go.
0: Yeah, and I think they had the board had had enough. Um, look, there's... A lot of animosity against the board. There was a lot of board out, but but they have made some decent decisions. And one of those, I think the fans were behind it as well. P- Pellegrini had to go. Yeah, uh, we and had I, just lost say, I think Lester. he, he I think
1: he would have. He he had a couple wins at key points that kept him in longer than maybe he should have, and so. Well, one of the things we like to do in this podcast is, is really bring some statistics to, to the table and, and really just help flavor our discussion. So to make it kind of easy, uh, luckily this season, Pellegrini and Moyes had the exact same number of games managed, 19 Premier League games managed. So Chris read you off the the stats. Uh, Pellegrini out in those 19 games got 19 points and Moyes in those 19 games got 20 points. So really, if you look at just the points, not too much of a difference. But now I'm going to read you something that maybe will change your opinion a little bit. So under Pellegrini, we scored 21 goals, gave up 32. So that was a negative 11 goal differential. Under Moyes, we scored 28, which is seven more than we scored under Pellegrini in the same number of games. Gave up 30, two less than what we gave up under Pellegrini, for a goal differential of just negative two. So a, a basically a nine goal switch between those two, which is pretty massive, even though it didn't necessarily play out in the points, nine goal difference is huge. Yeah, it's massive.
0: And one thing that uh, is interesting too, is Moyes pretty much started with that team, right? So he inherited the team January 1st, they played a four zero win against Bournemouth. And then we had some rocky times at the start, but, same team, right? He did bring in some great transfers with Pellegrini though. He had David Martin sitting on, you know, sitting on the bench ready to come in. He, I mean, he had players, good players that were ready to play and he just, he just never changed it. Moise did.
1: Yeah. And that, that's really what made the difference. If we thinking about it, Pellegrini started off hot, then really was let go at at his lowest point point. Moyes obviously didn't really start strong, but then raised his game at the end and, and got some key wins.
0: Yeah. And if we look at the past 12 or sorry, the last 12 games that Moyes, uh, sorry, that uh, Pellegrini managed, right? Out of 12 games, you had one tie and one win and the rest were losses. Now we did start out well, but then once we lost our form, it's up to the manager to bring it back right? That's his whole job is to keep the team in form. Maybe one game you're off form, but then darn next game, you better have it back. He had out of 12 games we had one win and one tie. That's extremely telling. I mean, it was lost after loss after loss uh, under Moyes, you know, we, yeah, we lost some games and they were strung together, but it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as bad as bug. Well,
1: and and Moyes also, I will give him credit. He didn't have, it, he bit he did inherit Pellegrini's team now he was able to make a couple of transfers in the in the winter window which turned out huge but one of the things we really noticed is players that were playing every game under Pellegrini hardly ever featured under Moyes and then the opposite players that had a tough time getting in the squad for Moyes or sorry for Pellegrini played a lot for Moyes so for example Roberto obviously never played again once Moyes got here um and part of that was due to Fabianski coming back from injury, but he even also replaced him with Randolph. On the defensive side, uh, we saw new players like Ngakia, Ben Johnson get a little bit more run under Moyes. And then we also it, it, one of the big one of the key changes in midfield. I thought uh, Fornals came on, played a lot more, where Anderson came off a lot, and then also Antonio came on a lot played a lot more really played a key part as we've mentioned in the last in the last segment uh saving our season so so really you kind of seen a lot of these players out of favor under Moyes that and then players come in and and really change their game Antonio was nothing special the first half of the season but under the second half under Moyes he became something incredible
0: yeah no that's a good point and I think Moyes kind of came out uh, into form, really got the team going, got that chemistry there since the restart. And uh, so he was two wins since the restart, three ties, and three losses. Um, and defensively, I, much more stable. If much more stable.
1: What we've seen since the restart, or really the first couple games of the restart aside, have been a much more consistent defense and a clear attacking philosophy. Under Pellegrini, we were very free-flowing free offensively, which created some goals at times, but also didn't create a lot of goals you know, against stronger teams. But then also, we just never seemed to have a good defensive structure under Pellegrini this season.
0: No, and there were some teams when Moyes came in, we played some really, really good teams, and we suffered some losses. But towards the end of the season, after Moyes had a little bit of time, especially uh, those months off where we didn't have any games – I mean, we played Chelsea, we beat Chelsea. We played Man U, we tied Man U, you know. We, we played some good teams, um, and I mean, we lost to Burnley, but it was like a 1-0 loss. It wasn't like a we, 3-0 loss.
1: You can go back and listen to our episode on that. We both talked about how we po- we thought we played better than Burnley that game. It was really just an unfortunate an unfortunate result as it was kind of counter to the flow of the game. So, so even even in that one loss, we played great.
0: Yeah, we played great. And and that's my whole point, though, is we're playing good teams and we're getting actually ties, wins. Even if we got a loss, we still played well. Whereas under Pellegrini, I, I know that Chelsea win was one in a million. And after that, we went right back down. We didn't look good after that game. We didn't look good before that game. We showed up that game for some reason. But but that was it, you know. That was like one little um, star out of out of all of them. Whereas with Moyes, it was it was consistent, and I, I gotta give him credit to that. I think he kept us up. Do you think Pellegrini would have kept us up if he had kept the job?
1: No, I honestly yeah, don't. I don't think so. It, it's tough to tell because so much. It's hard to disentangle what was if if Roberto hadn't have gotten it or. Fabianski hadn't gotten injured and Roberto would have would never played what our season would have looked like so we probably still would have Pellegrini now and we would have been a much higher position but I I, because it ultimately rests with Pellegrini to make the changes and feel the best team he can it doesn't even matter if you can't disentangle the results It, it it's ultimately Pellegrini's fault for not being able to put a more competent person than Roberto in goal
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And let's compare that with Moyes, who, when Hilaire was hurt coming in through the restart, he put in Antonio. Antonio scores a ton of goals. And we were changing formation from game to game. Those two games we lost at the very start of the restart, we were playing a different formation every single time, right? And we were playing different players in different positions. Pellegrini kept the same players, the same formation. Moyes was switching it up, trying to find that chemistry, and we found that chemistry, and boom—he's kept the same team minus one or two subs for injuries every single time. Um, and, and like you mentioned, like so, look—he's got he Moyes inherited Pellegrini's team. He's made some great transfers, and he he has dealt with injury in a different way that Pellegrini has. So, uh, I under Moyes, I don't think you would have seen Roberto play each of those games game after game after game and roberto didn't play under Moyes any so look there he was changing stuff and that's what that's that was really my biggest problem with pellegrini
1: yeah and we really saw uh, you know I, we were very down on pellegrini and very pro Moyes in this segment but there's we we've mentioned the the things there are things with Moyes we didn't agree with key, key among them the subs we we thought his his substitute and kind of tactical changes within a game weren't good but he he did make good changes when they were necessary between games he he did something and got more results especially when it mattered and to me that the thing you know Pellegrini was known as kind of this free-flowing uh you know attacking manager And, and under the first season we had you know a good offensive output but like m- under the Moyes era, we scored seven more goals than we did against Pellegrini. And that's telling for, for a manager that's not really thought of as uh or that is thought of as an offensive player to only score twenty-one goals in nineteen games is, is not enough.
0: Yeah. Um uh, we also under Moyes saw a little bit less possession, but we used that possession well. Whereas under Pellegrini, he was a little bit more of a more possession based, even though we didn't do great with possession. But we did we weren't seeing results. So, you know, so let's switch something up. Um, and also,
1: the let's talk about the kind of the difference in the transfers. So, Pellegrini had a lot of transfers, some that worked out okay, but a lot that really didn't. And they we were big, big money
0: transfers too.
1: Big money transfers. He got over two seasons, probably two of the two largest transfer kitties uh, in back to back seasons that we've had at this club, and you know, broke the records multiple times uh, in transfers. And you know, like some, like I think Diop's been a good transfer. But I, you know, you can't call Anderson or Hilaire a success for the money that they that they were brought in. So from a from the manager perspective, those were failed transfers. And whereas moy's first go around at the club wasn't very good with with Hugo and the like, but the second go around, really three hits in, in Randolph, Bowen, and Suchek, two of which just crucial to our team and are going to be some of the first names on the team sheet going into next year. Yeah, and
0: for Hammer of the Year in our discussion previous, look, we didn't include Bowen and Suchek because they had only been here since January, yet they made a, a fantastic impact on the team. So, next year, if they keep playing and keep informed like they are, yeah, they're going to be in that discussion. Um, so, that's just something I wanted to mention. But uh, but besides that, yeah, Moise has never had a season, a, a transfer window, right? So, I'm really excited to see what he does here. Um, one thing that is concerning, though, is you mentioned the goal differential, but but when it comes down to it, Moyes had 20 points and Pellegrini earned 19 points total. I mean, they almost had the same record. That is, that's pretty worrying to me.
1: Yeah, and, and that that is that is pretty worrying. Hopefully, that that gets better. I think once you see difference in go- the goal differential change, you're. I mean, that big of a goal differential over the course of the season will, will result in different points. We haven't really looked at you know, the teams we played per se, there, there could be, you know, maybe we played stronger teams in the first half or, or stronger teams in the second half. We don't, we didn't look that deep into it, but uh, yeah, I, I'd say points. Yeah, they're close, but. I'm, that much goal differential over an entire season. I think you're going to see a bigger goal di- or a bigger point differential than, than that.
0: And just to sum it up. So I think it was uh, the right decision to fire Pellegrini. I think it was, y- you could have the discussion on whether Moise was the right transfer, but I think it was um look, Moyes kept us up. He scored points when we needed to. He made changes. I think he was a decent manager. And I, I must say, since the restart, my opinion of him has increased a lot uh, compared to what I thought it was going to be. So yeah, he
1: did he did a job and actually you know, I I have a little bit of hope. And that's yeah, as a sports fan, that's at the end of the season having a little bit of hope is all you can ask for.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I I think we're both uh, in agreement there that that Moyes was uh, was the right one in terms of over Pellegrini. I think, look, we saw Moyes did keep us up. Pellegrini would not have. So Yeah. yeah, well, with uh, with that, we've got our next section coming up. It's going to be a positional overview for the season and who we thought was uh, really good on defense and who was poor, and then also for midfield and then finally covering strikers. Welcome back to part three of Green Eggs and West Ham. Right now we've got a positional overview for the season on how each player did uh when they played and when they didn't play. Chris, you've got a really interesting stat here, starting off with goalkeeper. What do you got for us?
1: Yeah, so really it's been a it's been a, a tale of two different goalkeepers, Fabianski and Roberto for us this season. Our season we, we last second we broke it down between Pellegrini and Moyes but maybe even more stark is the difference between Fabianski and Roberto. So we, just, to, just to note real quick, we also had Martin and Randolph. We'll talk about them briefly, but, but the statistical breakdown, because most of our games were among these two, we're going to talk about Fabianski and Roberto. So let me start off with Fabianski. Fabianski made 25 appearances for the club, both some under Pellegrini, some under Moyes. In those 25 appearances, we averaged 1.24 points per match, and gave up an average of 1.36 goals per match. So if, if if we extend that over what would have been a 38 game season. So it's if if we had performed that way under all 38 games, we would have had 47 points and only given up 51 goals. That's a massive so 47 points is Nine 13. points above where we are right now, or, or sorry, eight points above where we are right now and would have, would have seen us much, much higher uh, into the mid table. So overall, if, under when Fabianski started for us, we were a pretty decent team. Now Roberto.
0: Here we go. Spoiler I can't word, wait.
1: It was a little different story. Give it to me. He played eight games for us. It was two draws and six losses for a total of 0.25 points per game. Jeez. Which over a full season would have resulted in nine and a half points if we had played 38 games like that.
0: And Norwich ended with 21 points.
1: Norwich ended, which was, Norwich was one of the worst teams we've seen in the Premier League in a long time, ended with multitude, uh, uh, many times the points. We also would have given up. Uh, Roberto, Roberto gave up an average 2.25 goals per game, which over an entire season would have been 85 and a half goals.
0: Mate, those are some telling stats. <laughs> that blows me away. I did yeah. not know that the difference was that big. And see, that's why I think statistics are important. Is because you can look and say, "Oh, Roberto was not good." You know, Fabianski made an impact, but but that's massive.
1: And that's really, I mean, we had some other injuries throughout the season, but none of none of them are as. You think when oh one player goes out and you sub one in, yeah, if you're if it's your starter versus your backup, you expect some difference. You don't expect that, and that's really where our season was kind of wrecked by by that stretch of games under Roberto. We would have been comfortably a mid table team. Obviously, maybe not where we would have wanted to be uh, We pushing for Europe, but a much, much more respectable team uh, without Roberto. And so I just thought it was interesting to break down kind of the difference between if Fabianski had been able to play every game the season versus uh, what we saw under Roberto.
0: Well, and at this level, in the Premier League, right, you should not have that much of a difference between your number one player and your number two player. I, they should be almost equal, if not, I mean, not and, not a, a literally 30-point difference, you know, in terms of points we would have earned.
1: Yeah, and that says something definitely bad about Pellegrini, both in bringing in Roberto as, as the backup and thinking he needed to be the one that played once Fabianski was injured. You know, we so we, we've kind of talked about I thought Fabianski really had a, a decent season. I, he wasn't as good as he was last season when he was Hammer of the Year. Um, but he was, he was very respectable, and I think the stats kind of bear that out. 1.36 goals, um, little over 51 goals allowed if you would expand that out to a 38-game season. That's not a bad defensive record. And, and even as, as shaky as some of our defensive players were for a goalkeeper, that's, that's a pretty good record.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, look, we're going to get to defense here next, but we we had some questionable defensive uh, changes. We had some questionable defensive you know plays, and – for Fabianski to still hold on to that record, I think people need to see that that's a decent record. Despite you know, if you looked at yeah, those were all the goalkeeper's fault. Fine, maybe that's not great, but we had some shaky defense, and and it showed. And the fact that Fabianski kept it to that, I think, is uh, fairly respectable.
1: Yeah, and I think so. He was he was largely largely at fault for the goal today against Villa. But besides that, I'm I'm really struggling to think of goals that were I would chalk up to his fault.
0: But yeah, I, I can think of a probably, I mean, I would guess maybe three throughout the season. I know there were a few games where I thought, oh, that was his fault. But I don't think they really affected things. Like, they didn't really affect the result. You know, we maybe we were losing 4-0 at the time and one more goal didn't matter. But this one did matter in against Villa. But I don't know. But it's it's just interesting that Fabianski really, I mean, he's been key and he was key for our team. I, Randolph came in, did his job, right? Yeah kept kept the balls out of the net right when we needed him to for just the right amount of time. I think Martin. It was great to see him play. I, I liked him. Uh, yeah, he gave us a little there.
1: boost when he yeah. when he finally got his opportunity. Um, obviously, the the West Ham connection of his family was gave us a really nice story in an otherwise uh, really crappy time uh, in the season so his his game against Chelsea was was one of the better moments of the season uh just great to see him celebrate with his dad like that and just what it meant for him for his club but but overall yeah it's four goalkeepers featured for us this this season but but really it was a story of of Fabianski and Roberto
0: yeah and next up we've got the defense uh first we're going to start with the fullbacks and kind of cover who played for us this season, uh, what we thought of each one. We mentioned Ogbonna was uh, was one of the contenders for Hammer of the Year. Uh, complete rock back there. Uh, really did make a dif- difference for our defense. Diop, um, give me your analysis on him, Chris. I didn't see... I saw some good play. I didn't see consistent play. And also, there were some times where it was kind of scary with him back there.
1: Yeah, he was... He has the the widest range... Of performances I think among our defender or just he can make incredible plays just incredible plays that that none of our other defenders can make but then he also makes decisions that you're just oh how are you like a premier league player like making that decision so he uh, he's up and down I, I think he overall performed decently I, I, he's b- benefits about him he's very rangy he, he can get he can Relatively fast for center defender, strong, big player, good on set pieces. Scored three goals this year, and where I I think he can be a rock for us in the middle as long as he continues to kind of progress in his concentration. I think that's really the only thing that's missing. I think physically he has everything you need to be a great center back. He has the speed, the size. I think he can make a really good tackle. Some sometimes he's a little sloppy. I think it's his, the concentration that, that causes sloppiness in positioning and sloppiness in when he should make a tackle. There, he gave away several penalties this year by kind of ill-advised Ill- reaching out a leg to try and get a ball he really had no chance at getting. And once he kind of shores that up, he's going to be a great, great defender for us.
0: Yeah, I think so. He's young; he has room to develop. I don't see him being the leader that Agbana is back there, but I think that he uh, definitely, you know, has has earned some play time on the team. For sure, I
1: actually I disagree with you where where you say you don't think he can be the leader that Agbana is. So just a little bit, I I do think it'll be tough for him because I still think he's learning English. So I think as his English improves, he might get better. But also, I want to point out that under his last club, uh, Toulouse in France. He was actually the captain when we bought him at 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 twenty one years old, which is, you know, we haven't seen the leadership transfer over here, but I, I think it I think there is potential for it at least. Well,
0: to be fair, too, maybe I'm not just not saying that because Ogbana is the leader already, and Diop doesn't need to step up. Whereas, when Noble was going off and Rice stepped up, like rice had to step up you know what i mean so true, maybe true. maybe that is kind of overbearing from urbana which is not a bad thing it's
1: just- yeah since seeing as he never really played without Agbana, it's tough to see you know right. rice didn't really step into the leadership role until right noble was off the field for a while and, and so we haven't really seen that with diop so maybe if he, he hope you know hopefully he and urbana can continue to play for a season or two more together but uh I still think there's a chance for him to not maybe not become a captain, but but be a really good player for us and a leader in the back line.
0: And covering some other fullbacks, so we had We're- Balbuena feature for us. Uh, plenty of games really throughout the season. Uh, was subbed in, started a lot for us. He, we also had Rice come back for like one kind of when we needed him, one or two games. We'll probably cover him in the midfield. Um, I think he's better served in the midfield. Great player defensively, but he serves our team better in the midfield. But uh, and also we had Cresswell. That what, sometimes we play a three back, very rarely, but we did play it. And Cresswell he, he started. I, to my understanding, started as a center defender. He has played fullback. I mean, he's an option for us. But really, we've got what Balbuena. Diop yeah, I think
1: Bambuena is the only other real true center back yeah. on the roster. And I just think it, it's tough to judge him this year. I He played okay. I thought he was much better last year. I, I know you didn't really get to see him much last year, but he, he, was, he was much more consistent for us last year and featured much more often. Uh, this year, it, it was kind of tough. It, it's kind of the same thing that we mentioned with Hilaire. When you keep seeing him in just little spurts, it's tough to judge. So, I definitely think he he has a place going forward in this team, but I, I don't see him as a starter for us.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I definitely see him as a decent sub. We definitely need him in case one of the uh, Diabrogbon and get hurt, but we really don't have a lot of options back there um, now unless you have anything else on the center backs moving on kind of to those, those wingers, they're not wingers, the, uh, the fullbacks there with Fredericks. And then we've also got Cresswell. We had Masawaku feature back there. We had a lot We had Zabaleta back there, Ben Johnson. What do you kind of make of those players? Um, who do you think performed best out of all of them?
1: Man, we had a little bit of everything this season. Yeah, we had, we did, v- Veteran, veteran players like Zabaleta, unproven players like Ngakia and Johnson, uh, a little bit of everything. I, I think we this is going to be a, a position, both left back and right back, is something we're going to really talk about uh, in our next episode of the transfer special. Um, I'm just, we had everything. We had great performances. We had terrible performances. I'll, I'll start with Fredericks. I thought, Fredericks, when he's fit, he's a average Premier League starter that can be good. Uh, he's fast, uh, offer something in that that we don't have a lot else on our team. But he's injury prone, and I don't think you can rely on him to be, you know, a defensive stalwart or even, honestly, a truly consistent uh, Premier League defender. But he does offer something in in his pace that not a lot of other players offer us. and i I like him. I would I think he if he's starting, it's not I'm not angry.
0: Yeah, I'm not necessarily angry. And one point I, I want to get to here is you mentioned it earlier in the podcast. He was against probably the best player that um, that Villa had to offer today. And I didn't see great play from him. But But he was against their best player, you know we we saw Cresswell suffer when he was facing triore i mean we've seen some some of our defenders suffer when they're facing their best players, so maybe it wasn't the best game for him today, but he's got a ton of pace he contributes to the attack he's a he's a decent defender he's probably yeah like you mentioned a, a middle average defender um so I I like what he brings. I definitely think that he deserves a spot on the team and he definitely deserves play time. He has played really well in the past. Um, he kept up with Grealish really. I mean he he did well. He did okay against him, I guess. Yeah, but, but I mean he's tough he, he's tough, he he's tough to defend.
1: A, he he's t- uh, he, there's he maybe could have done a little better uh, on the goal that Grealish had. I don't think he was directly responsible for that goal, but he could have done a little better tracking him. But yeah, for the most part kept him under relatively good wraps and I think he's he's going to be good against when he's not playing the the other two players, best team, but when he's playing a a great player, he's often, he doesn't do his best. So he's, he's good. Cresswell uh, from the kind of the left back perspective, I think he's, uh, he's really interesting for me. He, he was so much better than he is now. He used to be one of our top players, one hammer of the year, I think his first year here. Something happened a couple of years back where he just kind of lost all his pace. I don't know what happened, but since then he's just been average for me. He's been, he knows what he, he knows for the most part what he needs to do defensively. He can, he's not, you know, a slug, but he, he's not also not a, a pace pace merchant either. So he can, he can suffer heavily when when he faces faster players, but when he faces just average players, he's pretty good, but really where he dropped off a lot is his he used to be such a great crosser of the ball and and in the last this season especially he just really wasn't wasn't a great crosser didn't didn't provide near as much going forward as I would have liked to seen out of him.
0: I've seen him be a little bit of a weaker player on that left side. I do like his free kicks and some of some of what he offers there. I think you know we've also got Noble and sometimes Rice has taken him in the past but I do like when Cresswell when he steps up to the ball I have a little bit more trust and faith uh, that it's going to be put where it needs to be put and so I do like him in that respect I defending like you mentioned he's a little bit slower I have I didn't watch years and years ago when he was good so I this is kind of my only sample size of him and I've kind of seen basically An average defender, but you've got Fredericks, who's got pace, and Cresswell doesn't have a ton of pace. Cresswell does contribute a little bit on the attack, but
1: it'd probably shock you if I told you he was one of our faster players about four years four years ago.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't see that now. Definitely not.
1: And that's I don't know where it went. I don't know if there was an injury that that really he could just never recover the same his legs from or what it was, but. Yeah, he's he's an interesting player cuz I think he does offer some leadership. Uh, he is one of at this point been with the club for for longer than most. He's been in English football for a long time. Really no, I mean has I I just really get worried when we play him against against teams that have pacey wingers that he's just going to get his his lunch taken from. Him.
0: Well, well, he does get his lunch taken from from him every single time and so I view him as a Zabaleta. Am I wrong in that sense is that's kind of where he is now is like he can, he can feature for our team sometimes when we need him. when he's on the pitch, depending on who we're playing, he can contribute. I think he can contribute just like Zabaleta had a little bit left in him. I think Crespo has a little bit more left in him than Zabaleta did, but I, I don't know if he needs to be, I, I would say that, and we'll get to it in transfer episode, but I think, we probably need to be start looking for a left back a consistent left back because Creswell I do not want Creswell playing every single game next season.
1: Yeah, I really like that comparison to Zabaleta. You know, I, he's obviously not he's not quite at the advanced age that Zabaleta was and not quite as, you know, slow, but but definitely good comparison there of he can start for us in a pinch. He can he can put in put in a good shift, be a solid defender. But he's really his his effectiveness is really determined determined by who we're playing. He can play against some teams and be great, but then there's some teams where he it would be a, a terrible choice to, to start. Let's go on, on to the next one. Uh, we're going to talk about. I guess we already talked about Zabaleta a little bit. Played played some for the club, not not a whole lot this season. It was time for. I'll, I'll just say the only thing I'll say is glad he was here. He he was a nice leadership a Nice, uh, you know, leader when he was here, but it was time for him to move on, and he really didn't have a, pl- a place in at this level of play anymore.
0: Yeah, he took care of business when he needed to. We needed him for a few games, and thank goodness we had him. Uh, he was a consistent defender who had, yeah, some mistakes, but, look, he stepped in when we needed him to, and he knew he wasn't going to be a starter at his advanced age, and he, I, I think he did fairly well for the games he
1: featured in. Yeah. Next up, we're going to let's talk about Masuaku. So, kind of our other option besides Cresswell, left back. Uh, he's some people say he's not really a fullback. Even even him would say he's he's really more comfortable as a winger. It's it's tough. He he's had some really good games for us. Mostly, I, I think most of those games come when we play that kind of three center backs and play him as a wing back, where he doesn't have as much defensive responsibility otherwise when we play him as a as a four back with a, as a, him as the left back doesn't not enough solidity to to really warrant starting in my opinion he offers some some fancy tricks on dribbling but the end product's not really there and you know I don't I don't trust it when he's when he's playing on our back line
0: yeah i think trust is a big thing you have to go into with your defenders when Ogbonna's playing i trust you know when like you mentioned, Zabaleta, or when he was in form, Kruse when he was in form. I guess I don't know, but you trust that they're going to get the ball. Like Fredericks, even now, I would say I trust him to get the ball, even though there's I know that there's going to be a few times he lets it go. Well, at
1: least trust Fredericks to to recover to and try and kind of get where he right. needs to be. Yeah,
0: yeah. and and with, with, with here's a perfect example: Declan Rice. I trust that he's you know going to to get the ball, but with Mazuaku, I would have to classify him as like quote unquote shaky some games he's great some some minutes of play some stretches of time he does really really well and he makes a difference and then there's sometimes where you're looking at him and you're saying what are you doing like make that run back you know or i don't he know he just gives the ball like, away. away yeah he, yes he, that's a good point there's
1: a defender i think should have a, a confidence in their tackling where they know they're going to get the ball or they know they're going to foul. Like they, they, they know going into a tackle kind of what the outcome's going to be. They know I'm going to get the ball, or, or they know I'm not going to get the ball, but I'm going to give away a foul here, but this is where I need to give away a foul. Whereas what I'd classify as a winger tackle is just a guy kind of standing on his feet and just sticks a leg out hoping to get, hoping to get the ball, But and stands kind of flat-footed, can't recover if he misses the tackle. And I just think he, he tackles like a winger he He does that it's not really a confident defender's tackle, so overall, I think he's he leaves it lacking uh,
0: yeah i I think so I think that's that's fair and let's talk about sometimes when we had to fill a lack in our team, and with those with that, I'm talking about Angakia. and I'm talking about Ben Johnson. We had two new players feature for our team, they were extremely young players and I think we saw pretty darn decent results from both of them. Uh, we saw Ngakia feature against Liverpool at start with him. What'd you think of him? What'd you make of his performance coming out of the gate, really?
1: Yeah, it makes me sad to talk about him now just because he's not on the (laughs) team anymore. I I thought he he performed as well as you could have expected for, for someone of his age, kind of being he was not anywhere near the first team picture until he was thrust into the starting lineup based on, on injuries. You know, Fredericks was injured. Zabaleta couldn't play. And um, I think Johnson was injured at the time, which is why Johnson was a more highly rated player, but that's why he wasn't able to step in at the moment. So just kind of thrust in the starting lineup and performed well. You know, I think the the term we used at the time, because it was against Liverpool is he was kind of baptized in fire, just, you know, one of the best Premier League teams we've seen in a decade. And, and we're starting this 19-year-old that's never played for us before uh, and played well. I thought he – Pacey had some good dribble moves, but I really thought his his passing lacked lacked kind of the end product that he needed. And I, I think he he had some way to go as far as his defensive positioning. But I thought – I'm very angry that we didn't keep him – because uh, I thought it, it was a cheap move by us that's going to cost us more in the long term, and he had he has the potential to be a very good player. And I think whatever club signs him, it's it's a risky move in the sense that he might turn out to be nothing, but he also might turn out to be a top, you know, not a world class, but a quality quality starter.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you can get him from another club's perspective on the cheap uh, for the quality of player he could be if he doesn't pan out fine, you didn't really spend that much, but he's shown a lot of potential right now. And uh, he does, honestly, he deserves it. He earned featuring for a bigger club or featuring for another team that, that needs, you know, that needs him is going to give him that play time. I think we were giving him some play time, but then like you mentioned, I don't know why we didn't sign him. That's not up to me. Uh, I think I would have signed him, but I wished him the best of luck. I liked what he did for us. I really enjoyed his play. I'm excited to see where he goes. Um, let's talk about the player that we still have on our team here that just recently featured in the past three games, Ben Johnson.
1: I, I'll young- say Johnson Johnson makes the pain of Ngakia leaving <laughs> hurt a little less.
0: Yeah, I agree. He's a young player. He, first game came in. It wasn't necessarily against the Liverpool like Ngakia, but hey, he, he played decent. He, he played well. Like, okay. Then... He featured for us uh, the game before today, got better, and then today I thought he earned yeah man of the match for sure. A ton of people were calling for that. He had a massive improvement over these three games, and if he keeps going like this, I mean, he could turn out to be one of our best players given some experience and some time.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely the the most intriguing player we have at fullback going into next season. I mix. Ex- I hope he has a chance to, to push to the for the first team to, to really at least if it be a starter or a squad player you know i if he doesn't i think we should definitely at least send him out on loan to get to get a lot of playing time but but he has a lot of qualities i think i want in the defender and and in a fullback he's big he's strong he's pacey he's shown a lot you know a big improvement he was never bad defensive position his defensive positioning but shown a lot of improvement I think even just a short time and as he begins to build more chemistry with our players I think he'll be a really good player and also uh, had some you know good good crossing from the fullback position that that I think could be a real asset to make him both a kind of a two-way player for us.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens next year with him. And uh, I guess the last "quote unquote" defender we should cover here is uh, kind of moving on here is Declan Rice. He did feature for us at center back. He has been a solid player year, uh, like every game really, but year in year out, uh, runner up and, and for hammer of the year and won it this year. More defensively minded, but we saw him be a box to box midfielder. We saw him score some great goals. I mean, he contributes every single game. Do you yeah. have any uh anything different on that?
1: So this is yeah, kind of blending the midfield and the defense together. We we've seen him feature at both mostly at midfield this year, but in the past we've seen him a lot at, at center back. I think for our team where we are we need him in the midfield. We can rep- we can replace most of what he we can replace ninety eighty to ninety percent of what he gives us in defense, with a with a different with our sub you know other players. But we can't replace half of what he gives us in midfield. He's just the you know the definition of a destroyer. Tackles, breaking up play, getting interceptions, and then turning the ball, getting releasing the ball, getting you know sh- uh, shifting us to attack. And as we saw maybe in this last game got a little shot happy on on the back of his uh great goal against Watford, but but yeah, offer something offensively, maybe not not really scoring a lot of goals, but but in his distribution of the ball has just taken tremendous strides this season. And our most consistent player, our most talented player, and our just our best player.
0: Yeah, I really don't have anything else to add from that. Uh, he needs to be a part of our team. It would, it is hard to replace him. And I think if you look at some of the players we've got on our team, we, it's it's tough to replace him. But it's not tough like it is like Declan Rice. <laughs> you know, what do you do? with we would, ha- I mean, I don't know. I think we need to be building the team around him. I think he needs to be the captain. But it all depends on if he stays. So far, it looks like we're not going to look at any contracts until December. But uh, but yeah, I think that's a good analysis of him. Um, well, if
1: I think of it this way, if I gave you x pound x amount of currency, x you know, twenty million pounds or forty million pounds or sixty million pounds, you know, whatever level you select, and say, okay, go replace player X with that money. Just about any player on this team, you could find some sort of decent replacement for whatever that is. For you know, obviously, if you you get more, you're going to get a better replacement, but if I told you find us a striker for 20 million, you could find someone. If I told you find us a fullback for 20 million, you could find someone. Uh, but if I tell, if I told you, you know, replace Declan Rice for 20 million, no way. There's nothing you can do that can provide what he what he provides for us on the defense and the offense. There's no player out there that you could get for that price. Or for you know, for any any amount that's that's reasonable. That's not a world-class player that can give you what he gives you. Oh,
0: absolutely, and uh, that's a really good point. Actually, is he deserves to be one of the highest paid uh, people at our club right now, and he's earned that. And he's young. That's another thing too. Is he's young. I mean, he's only going to get better, right? He's already our vice captain. Probably going to be uh, almost slated for captain next year when uh, Mark Noble kind of starts stepping aside. And I think next year's last, Mark Noble's last year on the contract. So look, I mean, he's he's only going up from here, and. I don't know. I mean I I you really can't replace him. It, he he is he is unreplaceable. He is unsubbable. Like you've got to have him on the field all ninety minutes. And he doesn't get injured. I mean, he played every single minute of the Premier League. That's incredible. So, anyways, I think we've covered Rice. Great player. Uh, moving on, let's, let's go. Let's cover, I guess, Suchek because he's kind of the the other one that kind of sits there with Rice. Another box to box midfielder contributes a lot on the attack. I think Suchek can contribute more on the attack because he knows that Declan Rice is playing a slightly more defensive. I like that because Suchek's pretty decent in the air from what I've seen. Uh, it probably, I would I would say when he plays for Slavia Prague, his home club or his uh, previous club, he, he does play that more defensively. But now that he's got Declan, now that he's got some support from the midfield and in the, in the back line, he's able to contribute offensively and and we've seen the results of that and that's paid off for us a lot.
1: yeah this is he is the probably the perfect partner for Declan. Those two can can do a really good job operating in the midfield together if, if that's all you have but also work really well in a midfield three um, Suchek just really adds a lot of versatility to the team. he can be that very, you know, he can be the most defensive-minded of midfielders in, in an effective midfield, or he could be the one that makes runs beyond the striker and gets in the box in danger areas and just kind of offers uh, so many different facets to his game. You know, he's a very strong player, very, you know, relatively pacey and an engine in, in the in the midfield. He, he offers the goal threat from the midfield that not you, you don't see a lot. Um, and he's great in all of those. The only thing I, I would like to see is, I think his link-up play needs to get a little better. His, he only had a seventy percent pass accuracy on the season for us. You know, some of that is going to be just adjusting to the faster pace of the Premier League. Uh, you know, can't, coming from from the Czech League, obviously a big step up in quality of play. And for the and for the most part, has done a fantastic job. I just maybe one thing to watch for next year. Um, is can he, can he kind of improve his distribution, his link-up play, uh, and become a more accurate passer? Otherwise, besides that, as close to the complete package as you can ask.
0: Yeah, great signing from Moyes. I, I think I give a lot of credit to him uh, for bringing on Suchek. Um, I also – we're going to get to Bowen in a little bit, but that was another great signing, and those have made a difference in the midfield. And specifically talking about Suchek, we had an offensive presence that – we haven't had before from uh, our previous midfielders and that adds a lot to the team. And especially when you have Declan who can, you know, who can hit the, hit the goal with a pretty powerful shot from outside the box way back there. But then you've got Suchek who can run in and get the header when Declan can just cross in and when Fredericks crosses it in. I mean, that's key, you know, to have, to be, to have that flexibility, I think is key. Um, so, Anyways, you have any closing thoughts on Stucek, or we should move on to Noble?
1: I just want to say that he seems to be happy to play for West Ham. He seems to really, you know, enjoy the experience, and also has, has, from what I can tell, gotten on tremendously with with the other players at the club, which is something that's kind of rare for for a player that, you know, he comes in in January, plays a few games, and then the the, the season gets shut down for coronavirus doesn't doesn't get to you know be around the other players and then you know picks up back in the restart for that for that relatively little time he's had he's really gelled to to the team well and you know we just made the his his transfer permanent which I'm super excited about but he already feels like he's been a West Ham player for a long time just you know it's that kind of comfort that he seems to have around the club That's, that's really encouraging
0: yeah, it is. And he's another player that I classify as, you know, that unsubbable, or you've got to have him in every starting lineup. If you look at Fredericks or you look at some other players, maybe at Lanzini, maybe for now, you can say, okay, you could start him, But if you don't start him, I'm, I mean, I'm not horribly upset, but if you don't start Suchek, that's a big deal, you know? And when you earn that just coming in from January, uh, I think that's to his credit. He's done sure. really well.
1: Let's, um, let's talk about kind of the other player that we've we compared Rice to a lot, Noble. Kind of, you know, so many similarities in their leadership and just how much he's respected by West Ham fans. I know we've, we both love him, but we both recognize kind of the weaknesses in his game. I thought he, you know, really this, I would have thought before, before the restart didn't really do that well but then since the restart the last several games has really stepped it up and and been a key key cog in our in our recent success and I got to give him credit for it I think he what he offers as far as leadership is is probably the best quality but even um even some of the other intangibles he brings are are key
0: yeah he's a really hard worker he's a leader on the field you have to have him involved in the team you have to I don't think he starts. I really don't think he de- I don't want to say deserves a starting cuz he's had so much for West Ham. He's done so much over the years. But for we can I think field a better player when we start. But if he's a sub and he comes into the game, I'm not upset. He's a good player. He's just slowing down and he's recognizing that, but he can still contribute off the field big time with leadership and and you know kind of gearing up these new players coming in to take over. But he also, as we saw in the Villa game, can still contribute on the field in the right situation. I think you can't play him every single game, but I think you, every three or four games, yeah, definitely.
1: I, I definitely agree with you. I think he, he'd he be a good player to bring on as a sub in a lot of situations and also a good player to start against certain teams. Uh, and I think having him in the squad elevates the, the play of those around him. And he's, although sometimes inconsistent performances, just very consistent effort and, and really a true club legend. Um, let's go from, you know, a club legend to a player that is legendarily horrible. Uh, Sanchez. Sanchez uh,
0: does not make the team in any any form or fashion for me. I have never seen him play well, even for one minute. I have his passes to me are always terrible. I mean, I, and and the thing is too, look, if you're a five year old's team and you've you know you've got one kid that's not playing well. I, I hate to be the guy that's bearing down on you and saying, look, like that kid's not playing well. But this is professional soccer, right? You've got to be serious about this. These players are literally getting paid to play the game and Sanchez has contributed nothing to us. He he
1: literally is wasting
0: our money. Yeah. Do, luckily,
1: luckily now he you know he was just yeah, he was a drain on our on our wage budget. Was a liability when he played, and I just want to say I'm happy that he's, you know, he was recently released and will will not be playing for West Ham. Again. And Chris, a, f- a little funny
0: story too is when I first started watching West Ham and I saw Sanchez come on, I had no idea who this player was, right? And Chris, I remember you telling me just just watch him, you know, and I didn't know if that was a good or bad thing. I didn't know if he was going to go score ten goals or if he was. And darn if that first game I watched him, I said the lack of quality was evident from from minute one it wasn't just like oh this game is good this game is bad anyways so I'll just kind of end it there where it was uh you just said watch him and I just I love that because I was like it was clear
1: five minutes to realize (laughs) what I meant without any prompting just like yeah uh and then kind of our final like central midfielder we're going to talk about Wilshire frustrating at times you know I, I this is very frustrating because he's been injured a lot. I think he's almost unfairly in some sense because I think it's a, it's amplified because of the wage that he's on, which again, you know, I, I'm never gonna fault the player for trying to get you know, I think he I, I'm never gonna fault the player for want, you know, wanting to make as much as they can. I will I will get angry at a player like when we have like Marco and Artovich had forced a transfer over, you know, over continuously trying to sign you know, continuously getting pay bumps and still never being satisfied. That's different than what Wilshire, you know, Wilshire signed a contract with us and he was a free agent. At the time I was very excited about it. It's turned out not to work, but he's just, you know, he, he had high potential when he signed. And, you know, I, the only thing I'd like to say is I hope he can, he takes care of his body so maybe he could, he could feature again. Otherwise, it's going to be one of those great mysteries. What could have been if he stayed healthy and, and really, he could have been a missing piece for us, but I think that ship has sailed.
0: It, it could have. I wouldn't mind him featuring more for the team if we decide to keep him on, but I also am not upset if we get rid of him in the summer. We tried, we lost some money on it. He was hurt. I mean, it's just the way of the game, but sometimes you have to move on. Sometimes it's a correct decision. If we do keep him though, I'm I'd probably rather get rid of him, but I'm not horribly upset because I did see some potential in the very few minutes that he played in the game. I think he would be a sub for me, but if he came on, hopefully he's kind of that uh, hold-up midfielder where we can sub him on and it can change the game if we need a little bit more defensive sub, kind of like Sanchez was, except a better version of Sanchez.
1: Yeah, I, I just the, I think he would be best suited for that role. The, the problem is you just can never rely on him being available. That's the, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I almost never want him to play for my team because he might play well and become a crucial player. But, you know, it's only going to – like, you never know when it's going to end. It's, it's, it's only going to last for a couple games, most likely, before he gets injured again. So it's, it's never – it gives me anxiety as having him play for our team because you just don't know when he's going to break.
0: That's a fair point, and we did just bring in Suchek, so really we could kind of sell him, right, and get a player that maybe doesn't start for us, but at least is uh, is fairly solid for a much lower wage. And yeah. I think easier that might said be...
1: than done, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But
0: anyways, um, so let's move on kind of to the attacking portion here. That really that number ten role, that uh, attacking midfielder role, we saw for now playing it a bunch. We saw a, a whole variety of players, really, but. And even Mark Noble sometimes came up. I guess we'll start with Fornals. What do you think of his potential? What do you think how he did with the season? Give me your analysis on him.
1: Yeah, so I think we we need to recognize this is his first year in the Premier League. He's a young player, never played in the Premier League before, and really didn't hardly featured for us the first quarter to third of the season. Didn't it wasn't until a little bit later in Pellegrini's and, and really under Moyes, he's gotten a lot more play time. I. I like what he offers. I think he gives more effort than the a lot of the attacking-minded players we have on our team. You know, I I think he provides from that kind of winger slash number ten role more effort uh, than Lanzini, Antonio, or sorry, not Antonio, Lanzini, Anderson, uh, often Hilaire. Uh, Yarmolenko more 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 effort defensively than all of them. I think when we play him in a central number ten position, he's fantastic. He contributes to goals. He he gets assists. So let me read off his stats. He's played. Uh, he's had two goals and five assists. So joint joint highest in a, out of our assists. And, and you know I think he's he's not the fastest player, but he he really he's still a very intelligent player. I think some of our, some of our best ball movement he's at the center of, I think some of the, some of the games that we were really just a juggernaut offensive team, it partially was because he was there to help kind of distribute the ball. And I think he, I think he's going to be one for the future. I just think it's on the manager to play him in the correct position.
0: Yeah. I like what you said there. I like what he offers. Honestly, to me, I don't like what he offers on the wing. So to me, he he's an attacking midfielder uh, in terms of central, Sorry, I should say central attacking midfielder. He is, in my opinion, he is not a winger. He doesn't do well, on nearly as well on the wing. He still contributes, but when he's in that midfielder role, that uh, central attacking midfielder role, I see a difference. And I there's very, very few games where he does not contribute when he's in that role. We've been putting Noble there, but like put put Fernhouse there he's a young player he needs a little bit more experience I think he's way up and coming he's going to be a fantastic player we've already seen pretty decent play from him and even the games where he hasn't done so well he's still contributed you know so he definitely deserves more time
1: another thing offensively that I think kind of separates him from the the players often compare him the most to on our team just based on where they play is Lanzini and, and Anderson kind of what we would consider more the flair players but but really both of those have disappointed the biggest difference i see between them and him is anderson holds on to the ball way too long never does anything with it lanzini kind of is almost too quick to get rid of the ball fornals seems to really understand when when is it best for me to move the ball quickly to keep to keep, keep the ball moving within our offense and when is it best for me to slow down, try and you know, pick my eyes up, look for a, a better pass? He seems to 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 be more multifaceted in in that sense than either of those other players, where he can recognize, okay, now I need to just do a one quick one touch pass, keep the ball moving, or is it a time where I need to maybe take a dribble, gather myself and see, look look up, see if I can hit a long ball? He he, I think he does a better job at at differentiating between those. And, and that's something that, you know, when uh, it's one of the biggest issues with Anderson is that, that he's such a ball stopper. The, whenever the ball gets to him, he just kind of stands there with it and it doesn't, the offense stops. Whereas with for it doesn't.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I really nothing more to add. I think he, uh, I think he's going to get the chance for Moyes. I really do see him being played under Moyes a lot. Uh, I just want it to continue really. So Uh, Anyways, moving on. Let's go. um, Let's see. Anyone else? Noble has played a little bit. We've already kind of covered him. Um, Anyone else you want to cover for that attacking? Lanzini, I guess we can move on to
1: Lanzini. We'll talk about Lanzini. I'd say he's offered so much in the past, so I know it's there. It's just...
0: Unlocking that is tough.
1: (laughs) Unlocking that is tough, and I honestly don't think under Moyes it's going to happen because... Same. And I'll, I'll, let's just go ahead and talk about, I'll talk about Lanzini and and Anderson at the same, in the same breath. Sure. Both fantastic players can do, can be very creative on their day. Both giving, getting assists and scoring goals, but neither, neither provide enough consistency in their effort, in their performance, in their desire. And I honestly don't think, Mois rates either of them in that sense, and I can't blame them because they, what they they have won goodwill in the past with West Ham fans, but I think the ship sailed. I think it's time that uh, I don't really want them to feature in our team.
0: Yeah, and look at the difference there between Fornals and those two, right? So when they lose the ball, and or or even the ball just sails past them, they have to go back and contribute defensively. I would classify Fornals as not being a very good defender, but. I can at least put that he does get back there and he does try. I don't think I've seen Anderson go back once. And I don't think Lanzini maybe just when it goes in that middle third, but once it gets to our defensive third, Lanzini is nowhere close, right? So for now, is actually back there. Whereas the effort, the level of effort I see is just not there. Lanzini I've seen a little bit better since the restart, a little bit better effort. Anderson, I'm seeing nothing all season. I've seen nothing. Um, and he's on. He's, I think, our second highest paid player. Is that right? I know it's thirty six million he's pounds.
1: Very, very high and very high. You know, he's so, he's don't know. one I'm, that I never just would have doing thought. For me. I never would have thought, based on just his his kind of pedigree, he's a player I just wouldn't want to feature in the team. But yeah, like I don't. If we're going, if if it's if you're saying we need to win this game. And make set my lineup he's not even a player I would want to sub in. He doesn't make the starting 11 and he's not a player I want to see the field.
0: Yeah. And I I really like what he should offer though, that drip, that dangerous dribbler, right. Creating chances on that wing where, yeah, maybe someone comes out to defend you, but you can pull a few moves to get around a few people and you can suddenly end up in the middle of the field with a great shot position. Like that's his role coming into the team. He just doesn't do that. So if we can find someone, and I think that's why we signed him originally is that dangerous dribbling kind of whereas Fornales is more of a passer. He's he's a decent dribbler, but but Anderson's kind of got that ex, that next step up on dribbling. But but there's just no effort there. And you've got to have everything it, it's the full package. We're not just looking for a dangerous dribbler. We're looking for effort. We're looking for good passers. When that contributes on defense like you've got to have that full package. That's what makes a Premier League player compared to some players in other leagues.
1: So well, that's going to in transition. What what you're sounding like is what you're wanting is, is kind of what bowen offers almost
0: oh my gosh i love what bowen has brought to the team so the level of effort if i had to rate the whole team in level of effort i would i would put declan way up there i think i would have to put bowen maybe even a little higher i would i would put bowen 100 percent. bowen is the I, I i have seen more effort from bowen defensively offensively I mean, even on the bench, like the guy just runs up and down the field. It's ridiculous. So I I really like that signing. He's got some great crosses. He draws a lot of fouls because he's a little bit smaller and people know that he's good. So they go in, like they foul him a ton and he has been targeted before, you know? And I think that's beneficial to us because they know he's such a threat. And that's what we need on the left side, really.
1: Yeah. So if you think of, let's, let's think of all the different facets of the game defensively what do you want out your what uh, what do you want out of your winger someone that'll get back and cover the back line when necessary check Bowen does it well in the buildup play what do you want from someone that's a winger uh, I want someone who can string some passes together who can kind of interchange with the midfielders and you know and keep the play moving check Bowen offers that uh, in the final third what do you want I want I want a player that's pacey that can break down players off the dribble uh, that can that can score and that can provide assist. Well, Bowen does all of that too. Now he's, I'm not saying he's, you know, world-class in every aspect of that, but he really offers a little bit or a lot in some cases uh, in every one of those aspects. And it's, it's been refreshing for us. I think he is, man, if, if we wanted to have the discussion is was Bowen a better signing or Suchek? It's so tough. Cause they've both been really good. But uh, as far as, he has been the perfect player of what we needed offering the effort uh, both on the defensive end and the intentionality on the offensive end. We, you know, something that, that Anderson completely lacked of Anderson would never be around the striker getting into the box for goals. Bowen's been running into the box, been driving the ball up the field, been forcing his way, even with, especially when we've planned to play this formation that we've played the last several games with a single striker, he's kind of been rotating in and almost being a second striker at times exactly when we needed it. So yeah, Bowen has offered a ton for our team and and he is, there's, I don't see a scenario in which he's not an every week starter if he's healthy next season. Oh
0: yeah, I completely agree. And let's look at uh, the person that kind of comes in and changes the game. When Bowen subbed out, we lose some pace, but we gain technicality with Yarmolenko. Uh, Yarmolenko, to me, is a perfect person to have on on the bench, ready to go in for Bowen. Look, Bowen runs up and down the field all day long. Yeah, sometimes he's going to get tired, but there's also times when, and this is, uh, I think, our biggest complaint with Moise, you've got to use your subs to change the game if things are not going well for you. And to me, when Yarmolenko comes on for Bowen, even though I love to see Bowen out there on the field, Yarmolenko makes a difference, right? So, some players, just to give comparison, that have made a difference for teams. Kloza, coming on for Germany, scored almost every time he came in in the World Cup. Christian Pulisic, coming on for Chelsea when he doesn't start, or even for the US men's national team. He makes a difference every single time he's subbed in, and he changes the pace of the game. He changes. Jerm Malenko, to me, is that player for West Ham. He changes the game. He gives you another element, I should say, to the game. He, If the <laughs> attack isn't going well, he gives you another... I guess, aspect of the attack.
1: He can really break down a team. He's a very good, he, he, he almost keeps the ball on a string. It's so tight to his body when he dribbles. He's, he obviously has, is a little, is or very left foot centric, does not do yeah, much with his right extremely. foot. Extremely. But man, when he gets a clear shot with his left foot, it's a beauty. He's some of the best, just pure strikes we've seen are from his left foot. And, and when he, and some of the best passes we—I mean, he—he can—he can really is, is a very technically sound player, and yeah, when when maybe the the speed and the directness that a Bowen offers you isn't isn't breaking down the defense, maybe a more methodical uh, dribbler, you know, with with that left foot from Yarmolenko is something that can can offer a, a different dimension to our team.
0: Yeah, and he—I'm ne- never upset when he's coming on the field. Really? I mean, cause I know that he's going to make an impact and he's honestly though, he's not a starter for me. He's, he's gotta be a sub because I think that's when he's most effective.
1: Would you yeah. agree? I, I would agree. He he's had some really bad kind of Achilles and, and leg injuries that have slowed down his pace, maybe made him age a little faster. So, so he doesn't necessarily have the uh, stamina to put, to play a full 90 minutes, most likely, you know, kind of, there maybe when he maybe when he he has a full off season rest it might be more but yeah i don't see him as a starter i see him as kind of what you described as the super sub and he i think he still has a place on our team if if we decide to keep him uh, and can offer something else one last last kind of midfielder we'll talk about before we we go into the forward someone who's been out of the spotlight since, since uh, the restart but has really offered some some great uh, some great play to our team is Snodgrass. He kind of forgotten man at this point from, but he's been out for injury, but he's, he's one. I kind of, I'll kind of compare to four nows. Maybe it's not always the most impressive when you're looking at it, but then man, the guy just finds a way to contribute to goals.
0: Yeah. I do like what I see uh, with him. Every time he plays, he does contribute a lot to goals. I think we'd be a little bit of a different team if we didn't have him unfortunately he's been out for injury but I do think he deserves some more time um he has changed the team when he is on the field and I don't again I don't know if he's a starter but I I would like to see him come in as a sub and whether maybe if your armament goes hurt you have Snodgrass come in or maybe you just flip-flop him in games I don't know but uh it definitely definitely makes the team deserve some time for me
1: yeah, he adds he adds a little bit. He's he's pretty versatile playing, canada play that number ten role or, or out wide. So suffers from the same problem that Noble is, not a very pacey player. Can can sometimes the pace of the game can pass him by, especially at, at his age. But if he's not an he's not an every week starter for us, probably only a only a spot starter after after injuries for other players, but he definitely has a could be a crucial role from the bench to play if he's willing to do, if, you know, if, if, if we can keep him on for that and and, uh, vocally, I just want to mention he's a great vocal leader for the team and a a good character guy. So,
0: you know, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I've, I've seen that too. And I think that's underrated a lot is, yeah, he doesn't have the captain's badge, but he's one of those where he is positively contributing to the team, even through injury. Right. I, I don't know Wilshire that well. I can't say but I don't think Wilshire, or say Anderson was hurt. I don't think they'd be contributing positively to the team. In but but Snodgrass, in my opinion, does from what I see yeah. and from well, what I can research.
1: Players like him and Noble, I kind of like the the video game issue. So the, you're they're never really a player you want to play in a video game. You know, if if you're playing FIFA Career Mode, you you might sell them off. But in real life, if you sold if you got rid of those players, the impact would be so much worse than what you could have realized because you you're losing that vote not only you're losing a player but you're losing that leader as well and, and the, that in, the intangibles that, that he offers is something key and so yeah like you said even from injury I'm, I'm sure he's having an impact on the team just from his leadership
0: let's talk about someone that is having a massive impact or had a massive impact on the team since the restart has played winger mostly I guess you can consider him a striker Tell me about Antonio.
1: Mikhail Antonio is not a right back. <laughs> yeah, so the, the chant that we would all, or you know, the, the statement we'd always make a few years ago when he got stuck playing uh, the starting right back position. <laughs> I want, I think he still scored like eight goals that season. Just something ridiculous. Uh, talk about a guy that never complains, man. We have, I want to say we, like the, the team has just like, probably he's a player that we haven't treated as well as he's treated us as far as the effort that he's put in, as far as, you know, we play him out of position. We're technically playing him out of position now and, and just always works hard. And man, I'm, I don't think there's a person I'm happier to see succeed than Antonio. And his, he's, his play has been crucial for us staying up.
0: Absolutely crucial. And you look at the level of effort you look at, he he contributes every time he's on the field. I mean, how rarely is it? Even when he didn't play great today, he still contributed. Absolutely. You know, he's he, that presence on the field for uh, uh, op, the opposition's defense. It, it just hurts. I mean, it really hurts. And even if he's not getting the ball, let's say he didn't touch the ball on 90 minutes, but he was affecting the defense. You bet. They're putting some of their best players on him. He is tough to bring down. He, he makes a difference on the field every time he plays.
1: Yeah. And he's, whether you whether you deploy him as a forward or, or more as a winger he he has a lot to offer in the game uh, not not the best passer but but a really a willing runner good dribbler um, just what he provides even even when our team doesn't have the ball his pressing is has done a lot to help us and yeah great player
0: well and not the best passer except when you link up with Yarmolenko for an 89 minute 89 minute goal for the win no oh, yeah but, he has yeah.
1: i would say he has vision he has vision yes. sometimes he just has uh, he lacks technicality sometimes sometimes the ball does not go where he intends <laughs> it yeah. both on both on long shots and on uh some passes but no he I think as far as he provides a very versatile style of play, because he can be the holdup player where he is a back into someone kind of bodying up, trying to waiting for the rest of the team to come on. But then he can also be the long ball outlet where he's making runs uh, down the channels, trying to get in behind players. And he also can be, you know, on the end of crosses and, and score kind of as as a, I don't don't want to call him a poacher, but kind of a, playing off of the just the the crosses or 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 delivery from others. And it it, you know, we we we're about to talk about Hilaire and how maybe he he can't function well as a single striker. But but Antonio really can find a way to contribute to the team no matter what situation you put him in. Like he like we mentioned, he he was playing right back a couple seasons ago and still just finding ways to contribute. Playing winger mostly throughout his career and always been a, a you know a solid contributor there. And now 10 goals as, as a striker. So credit to him.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Credit to him. That's a great point. There's he, he puts in effort every single uh, in every single facet that the team has him in. Sometimes he's great as a sub when he's coming back from injury. We put him in as a sub a few times. He made a difference every time he came on that field, even when he played for 20 minutes or 30 minutes and Hilaire, we've seen a little bit of time since the restart. And we just haven't seen that same level of impact. Um, for Antonio though, specifically, I mean, you play him on the wing, he makes a difference. You play him a striker. He makes a difference. Like he's coming out on the field there. Now I want to say he's unsubbable, but there are times when you need to sub him out. Cause he is slightly prone to injury. I, I think he's unsubbable in the terms of the impact he makes on the game. However, there are certain times when, yeah, if you're up by a lot, maybe bring on another player or you need to play a little bit more defensively. Maybe Antonio gets tired cause he runs up and down the field. So there I guess what you're trying times. to say
1: is if he's healthy he starts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah.
1: I agree with you 100%. Yeah, he's he's a player that I don't think you can put another player in his place. Right. In the t- like there's there's never there's never an argument not to have Antonio in the starting 11. Right. He's so versatile. He offers so much offensively and defensively that you need to find a way to get him in the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And uh, let's kind of move on to Hilaire now. So Hilaire, $45 million trans, or sorry, dollar, uh, 45 million pound transfer came from Eintracht Frankfurt, where he was he was scoring goals left and right.
1: And getting Arguable- assists too.
0: And getting assists, yeah. So arguably though, their formation fit him better than ours did. What do you see in terms of potential from him? And what did you see this season?
1: So I think there's, I, I've you know mentioned before. I, I'm a Eintracht Frankfurt fan. You know they're my they're my favorite German team. I followed them before for for several seasons. Now, I don't follow them as avidly as I do West Ham, but so I've, I've been able to see see Hilaire play, follow his his progression for a few years, and and I, I'm still sold that there's this there's this level to him that I've seen before. That I believe West Ham can unlock if we'll do what needs to be done now. And now the the question is he's not lived up to 45 million pounds signing. And I think his lack of success can be attributed to three people. I think it can be contributed to, first of all, to himself. I think he, when he's on the pitch, needs to display more consistent effort, needs to take a page out of Antonio's book, be a, a willing presser, Fight a little harder for balls. I think he gives up too early a few times. Um, I thought today he had some good examples of, of when he didn't give up and really fought to get the ball a little more. But I think too often he he gives half effort at times. Not not he's not as not as stagnant as, as like an Anderson or Lanzini. But I think he he could he's not helping himself is what I'm trying to say. And then the other two players people I would say need to were were the cause of or maybe the cause of his lack of success were Pellegrini and Moyes. I don't think either of them deployed him in a way um that best suited him. I think for, for Pellegrini that was inexcusable. You you brought the player in. You 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 spent that massive amount on him and then you go and and you know and then you don't play him the right way. It's it's like if Let's, let's say I worked on a, a farm and I bought a corvette. and I we start, I used the corvette to pull my trailer. It's not going a great. it's not going to do its job. It's not meant to do that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say Hilaire's a Corvette. Similarly, let's say I was a racer and I bought a pickup truck. My pickup truck is not going to be a good racer. Like you got if you wanna get you wanna get the right player to fit into the system you need to play. So either we need to move on from him or we need to design a team around him, which I think we have the ability to to make him be that twenty goal a season striker he can be.
0: I I really think we're at the team's at a crossroads with him. And I'll tell you the way I think we need to go, and I'll tell you the way I think uh, you know, we'll see. So I think the, the team's gonna go a different way, but look, we signed a 45 million pound player. He has not lived up the first time. Now, look, the play is a little bit different from the German league, but the German league is a great league. Like he's at that level, right? It's it's not like Ben Johnson coming in and it's kind of a shock to the system the first time. Not that he didn't do that, not that he did badly, but it's just Hilaire's at that level already, right? Yeah. Maybe well, a and, slight adjustment. And
1: Hilaire did play in, in the Europa League with Frankfurt. So he's played against other top division teams and performed well.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a great point. And that's why I say we're at a crossroads because, like you mentioned, we either fit him into the system and build the system around him and and kind of work towards that style of play or we get rid of him and go with a completely different style of play, don't build the team around him. And I think it is correct. And I think it would be the right decision to build a team around him. That, I think, is the better form of football, I should say. That kind of a m- little bit more possession, but that service into the box using the hold up player. Uh, I mean, each team that I can name, like they've got hold up players. There's very few teams that don't have that hold up player and still do extremely, extremely well. So I think that's the way we get to that next step. Is we say, all right, we've got this really good, uh, really highly paid striker. He's proven himself in the past. Let's let's give him a little bit. Let's use our transfers to build that team around him, and then let's see what he can do. And a big argument for uh, for his performance has been service. Is he getting the right service? And he wasn't for a very long time. He was not getting good service. Recently, yeah, he's gotten a little bit more service. And I think we've seen a, a fairly decent uh, improvement in him since well, he started I'll, getting that I'll service. i
1: this. So we, we pretty much didn't deploy him. I think we have currently, even without transfers, the ability to design a good team around him. I'll tell you that team in a minute. But I want to say that also, like, yeah, we, we weren't having good service now. Well, then people will say, well, Antonio seems to have good service. Well, there's I'll, there's two things I'm going to point to that, yeah, we have – it's still West Ham, but it's a different West Ham. We're playing Fornals more. We have Suchik now, and we have Bowen now. Particularly playing Fornals and playing Bowen, having Bowen and playing him – change the service we have now I'm not not trying to discredit Antonio incredible Antonio's done absolutely incredible but I'm saying is like Hilaire didn't play with a Bowen who would be a, a threat down the right flank and also come in as you know a threat around the box we he didn't have a player like for now for now has played some but not much most of the time when uh most a lot of the players that were starting with Hilaire were were the Lanzinis and the Andersons who weren't really offering much so I what The lineup I would do, it would if we're just confining ourselves to the players we have now, I'd have kind of a noble, I'm sorry, no, no, a Suchek and a Rice as kind of the holding midfielders. Fornals is the number 10. And a front three of uh, Bowen on the right, a up top, and Antonio on the left. Kind of where both the wingers can play out wide effectively, but can also shift in to be a second striker effectively and i think when you have those three players that are all can be around the box and then also a player like Fornals nows to kind of help distribute i think that could be that we have what i'm trying to say is we have what it would take to build a team around hillary we just either need to decide okay we're going to commit to doing that let's build this team or let's build the offensive portion of this team around him or nope let's we're not okay well then sell him. Move him on. He's not going to be effective in the, in, our, in another system.
0: Yeah, so exactly. Make a decision. It's,
1: it's put up or shut up. We'll want it them. is.
0: It is. And you've got those wingers, like you mentioned, Antonio, and you've got Bowen. Both of them, extremely, a ton of effort, extremely fast. They've got the pace. So one of the um, one of the things that people are saying against Hilaire is, look, he needs another player up there with him, and we haven't been giving him that. Well, when you got Bowen and Antonio, someone's always up there with him. And another player that I think is key for the Hilaire system, I'll call it, is Suchek. And the reason is because both of them can win headers. Both of them, Suchek can, now with Declan being back there with Suchek, Suchek can go a little bit more offensive. I think if you've got Antonio and Bowen wrapped up somehow and can't get up there, I think Suchek can be that guy that is up there with Antonio, with uh, Hilaire, I should say. And is kind of fulfilling that same like, hold-up player role, but – I mean, I don't know. i I well, just yeah, really expect such be a
1: willing key. runner to get up yeah. and, and be on the end of crosses where like you know throwing a cross up and and having no and, and again, like I think Khir has to hold some responsibility for his lack of form, but uh, I'm still not ready to give up to him. now, this time next year, you know, I, I if he's still not performing, I'll be ready to give up on him. but like it's the same thing with Lanzini and Anderson. To me, they've had ample opportunity to to show I when I think for for Hilaire, he yeah he hasn't been as good as he could have been but I I still think he needs the the opportunity and, and to to go in with with a team that can support him
0: yeah no I agree I'm, I'm excited to see what we do next season with that because I think like you mentioned we have the potential especially with new transfers I mean we can only enhance right so hopefully (laughs) but uh but we'll see but so one thing I just want to mention here is standout players for the year it can be as many it can be everyone on the team or it can be as few people it can be one person on the team some people that I would like to mention I guess for standout players of the year for me would be Ogbana, Bowen Suchek Antonio Rice I'm kind of debating Fabianski and Yarmolenko. I don't know. I, I, I've gone back and forth on those, but those for me, those players, those five players, uh, were the most standout players of the year.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I, that's that's a good point. So I will say, I'll I'll kind of almost copy your list. I think Ogbana, I, I say Rice and Suchek, Fornals. Bowen and Antonio were all standout players for me, but I'm going to, I'm going to change it up a little bit and say players that I think absolutely have to feature for us next year have to be, they need to be featured in some, in some fashion. Uh, and I would say Fabianski, Ogbana, Diop. I think the Ben Johnson needs to give get another shot. He, what he's shown is he could be a really good player. Think Rice and Suchek, obviously no brainer midfield pairing. I think Fornals and Bowen have shown so much, and then Antonio and Hilaire. I think a team built kind of around that core could be a really good team.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's the, kind of the whole thing I was going to is that that core, right? So I really want to build a team. I think the next level is building that team around Hilaire. I really do.
1: And Rice, mm-hmm. like we've already mentioned,
0: we've already yeah, undot, like, oh yeah, absolutely
1: that yeah. that could. Rice is, Rice is the, the defensive cornerstone and then if we if we now and when we say building it around Hilaire, I hope you, you guys understand that we don't think Hilaire is gonna be the only point of attack. It's just we think with Hilaire it unlocks Hilaire and the other players around him. Yeah. Like it,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Like if we
1: get the hold up player like Antonio scored goals in this system. But what if, like, I think under with Hilaire, Antonio, and Bowen, all three can be scoring some level of goals, you know, with the way that they could play off of each other. So, yeah, I agree with you. And, and then I think taking the next step would be Hilaire could be a, a key that unlocks not only himself but also continues to have Antonio find goals and then also Bowen score goals.
0: Yeah, and just to kind of back this up a little bit, go look at how Man City play and go look at how Liverpool play. Go look at how some of the national teams play. France just won the World Cup. Like, go look at how they play. The The next level, in my opinion, and I think a lot of other people's opinion, is that hold-up player that becomes key. Uh, so let's unlock that for West Ham.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's a, that's a really good look at all the players. The last player I'd say is – we haven't really talked about a Yeti, but – He's played one hundred and thirty eight or one hundred and thirty two minutes for us. So he's been on the bench just about every game, but we never get to see him., so. okay, I'd like to have
0: a few more players like Silva feature, but I really can't can't analyze that too much just because uh, we haven't had the the quality of time to look at him. So. All right, and that concludes our show. Thank you for listening to Green Eggs and West Ham. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for an in-depth look at potential West Ham transfers, followed by an episode on how we fared in the transfer window, and a look ahead to next season. We're available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and SoundCloud, and also available on Twitter at Green Eggs and West Ham. Sorry, Green Eggs and WH. Give us a follow uh, to keep up with the most recent content. Thank you for listening, and come on, you irons.